show and that is my husband Jason Rolf. Hey babe. Hey babe. <laughs> I'm so excited that you're here today because um, really this is what it's all about is our story. Yep. And hopefully as we share our story today people will be able to take nuggets and translate it into their own life and their own story um, because as we know like our story is our story and their story is their story. Yeah. And there may be threads and themes that match up, but they're all different. And so really today, Jason and I want our story to hopefully bring encouragement and to bring something that will allow you to take the different parts, the parts that are the same, and hopefully it will impact you as other people's stories have impacted ours. And so... I'm so glad to be here. I'm glad you're here. So proud of you, what you're doing. I get to be on your podcast. Podcasters. Man, just makes you even more sexy. So let's talk about how we met. Okay. You tell them how we met. All right. So we were at this school called Christ for the Nations. Yep. We became really good friends. The way we met, though, let me back it up a little bit. We were in this class called How to Study God's Word, but there wasn't any studying of God's Word for me. (laughs) Because I noticed this girl, she came in, she had these long two little hair strips down the side of her hair, this short, cool haircut, and I was just thinking there's no way I'm getting anything done in this class. (laughs) So I started from that moment trying to figure out ways that I could get into this girl's life. And so I remember there was a point where we were taking a test, and I said, hey, I'd love to help you if, if you need some help. And she called me up Which for sure. Which I totally needed help yeah. because studying God's word is not exactly my strength. Well, let's just be honest. She finally, I don't even remember because this is back when cell phones just first started coming on the scene. And I remember saying, yeah, I'd love to hang out. And then from that point forward, really, it wasn't about uh, a relationship like boyfriend, girlfriend. It was really just, I found someone that I felt I could hang out with that I just loved being around. And so... Over the next two years, our relationship developed, and we just had a great time. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, she had decided to go home for a summer, and I decided to stay at the school to do a youth camp. It was called Youth for the Nations. And I remember calling each other during that time, but then there was a probably a week or two that we didn't talk, and I thought, man, what's going on? And we hadn't said anything to each other, hadn't figured out what's going on in each other's lives. And so I called her up, and come to find out, she had gotten... A boyfriend! A boyfriend and as you can tell that for me I was pretty depressed because I thought <laughs> this is my friend but I, I, I think at that point I started figuring out I really really like this girl but I never said anything and so now the time has passed and stupidly very, very stupidly I started dating someone just out of I think more need to have companionship wanting to have relationship and Probably a little bit to get back at her for getting a boyfriend. Yeah, I wasn't happy about that either. Uh, And, you know, that relationship didn't work out and neither did hers. And so she gave me a ring after both of those had uh, subsided and said, Hey, I'm coming back to Christ for the Nations. And I was really excited because I was so glad that my friend was coming back in town. Yeah. And so I remember probably the first day or two she got back, I ended up playing a practical joke on her. She had just gotten this car that she loved that she thought was just amazing it was a silver 99 honda civic two-door 
and it was amazing. To this day, she still wants that car. I I've, loved it. I've been it searching to try to find that car to rebuy that car. So, anyway, when she got back, I took and filled up her car with a bunch of rocks. Me and a friend of mine stole her car from the moment she got on campus. And I think at that time it really was I'm I'm going to pursue this as a relationship. And so we went to Michigan for a trip. A bunch of friends went. Yeah, Probably it was fun. Ten of us, I think, right? Yeah. And we got there, and we did some preaching. We did some rapping. We did some, you know, just hanging out at the church, working with the youth kids. And at that time, I ended up meeting with her dad and told him that I wanted to pursue something more than just a friendship and let him know that I was interested. And I hadn't even talked to you at this point yeah, about this. Yeah, we hadn't said anything official And so I get done talking to him. He kind of laughs, gives me his permission. Well, then I tell Bonnie Ruth, and she's kind of freaked out about it. Well, I mean, you can imagine, like, I had had two relationships, really, and mm-hmm. they were both very serious relationships, and one of them was a very long relationship. Yeah. And so I genuinely was so scared to lose our friendship because we had such a deep friendship, and so it just panicked me. Um, but I'll never forget, like, you were like, okay, like, I'm in, I want to I wanna be with you, and so we went back to school and I just kind of freaked out. And this is totally going to reveal to you guys who Jason is. He was like, all right, we are not wishy-washy in this. Like, we've been friends for two years. We know each other well. You're going to have to make up your mind. So I left for a work trip. It was and a Girl Scout It was camp. a Girl Scout camp. that I worked for Girl Scouts. And we were going to be gone for three days with all the girls from the DFW area. And... Um, he was like, you got three days, like you're coming back. I'm going to pick days. you up and you got to know, like, cause I'm in, like, I'm not messing around. And so, I mean, right. it wasn't even 24 hours and I was like, oh my gosh, I cannot Calling lose this guy. Up, yeah. I was, thirsting told, for a brother. I was like, I can't let this go. And he was like, I nope. Up. I he nope. was like, if you got three days. And so I came back, he picked me up with just the coolest gift. Cause we were going to also be. Um, having a few months apart from the summer or the semester break. And he had this basket with all these notes and gifts in it for like the whole time I was gone and like had yellow roses on it, which is my favorite. Took me out to this wonderful like date. And then by the end of it, I was sold. And 11 months later, we were married. Yeah. So um, it was just honestly a relationship that's founded in friendship. Yeah. And, you know, something that we have clearly stated on our website is that our friendship is honestly, I think what's sustained us through our infertility journey Mm -hmm. and through honestly, like all the shit that life's thrown at us. Like our friendship is so deep and so strong. Um, and I feel like it is one of our greatest strengths. Yeah. Well, you got to have that, you know, right? Cause after week one, all the fluffy movie stuff fades away and you start really getting to know this person. It's like, I'll never forget one person told us early on that marriage in reality is the ultimate invasion of privacy. Yeah. And it has That's run through yeah. the whole time. Yeah, it's true. It still is. Like, we're about to celebrate 19 years of marriage, right? Mm-hmm. And wouldn't you say even now, like, we still have moments of, like, invasion of privacy? Absolutely. <laughs> it's like, why are you in my space? Right. But we are in each other's space. And I love it. I wouldn't trade it for anything. No. However... We, I think in every season of life have had to learn to navigate our personal space, the things that we are invading each other's spaces. And those are often the times where we grow and we're, we're maturing and we're learning from each other. Right. Um, and so I just think 
I, I'm so proud of our friendship. Like, I don't say that pridefully, but I'm not ashamed of it either. No, not I at think all. It's, it's I don't one think there's anything the wrong with being yeah. prideful in it. Right. It's, it's like, it's such our strength. Yeah. And um, so we get married and we're like, okay, we want to wait and not have kids, right? Like, we're yeah. kind of like the, that couple. We don't want to jump right into it. We're both very driven. We we loved to travel together. And we just wanted to do things in life. Like, we yeah. were starting our careers. Like Who so, in their early 20s right. is really like, let's have four kids. Now, maybe somebody out there is. Right. Maybe that's their dream. But for yeah. us, it was... It was not our dream. We very much wanted to yeah. have some experiences in life. And so we took the normal routes, right? Right. We started birth control before we got married you know, did all that. And well, tell them the funny story about the birth control. Which funny story? We were on our honeymoon. Oh, remember? Lord. And so, you know, we, we're pretty open with most people and even our parents. We and, are like legit stupid. We have no idea what we're doing. Because also, guys, you need to realize. Wait, wait. We have an idea of what we're doing on our honeymoon. Let's okay. just be clear about yeah, that. Yeah, that part. I mean with the birth control specifically. We're, we're clueless in like navigating a lot of things as this newly married couple, right? right. So we get married. We've done the deed several times and I get sick on our honeymoon and I have to go on like a Z-Pack or something. It's an antibiotic. An antibiotic. And so all of a sudden we freak out like we're going to just pop out a baby (laughs) like because we've had sex, right? Because I think, oh my gosh, suddenly we realize that could actually wipe out the pill. We are legit calling, like, my mom, my grandma, my aunts. We're like, somebody tell us, are we about to have a baby? <laughs> and we just freaked out. Of course, we were not going to get pregnant. It was fine. Obviously, we needed to learn some things about how timing works and all of that. For sure. Um, but it was hilarious because yeah. we did freak out. And it was like three days in of being married and, you know, yeah. making out and having sex. So, um We've, you know, backtracking to the portion we're married, we're starting life, I'm on birth control, and I start having horrible side effects from it. I'm super moody. I've gained a ton of weight. Um, I don't, my eating habits are horrible. I'm nauseous. Like, it was just awful. And this continued for probably about six to seven months, right? Mm -hmm. And we just kind of had to make the decision to go off birth control, which was such a scary thing for us. So we started down like the natural fertility path and learning all that, which we probably should have learned all that when we were on it before we got on our honeymoon and we wouldn't have been freaking out about the antibiotics. But um, we just started down this new path of things that we just didn't know. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it was scary. Um, but with that, I had already had issues prior to us getting married with my cycles and things like that. And so immediately those things started happening even more. Yeah, well, remember that time though, we didn't know 19 years ahead. We right. thought we're just every normal couple. Yeah. Yeah, we're just, anytime we want to have a kid, we can just have a kid. Yeah, right. There was no question. Pretty plug about and play. It. Right. <laughs> we were just like, have sex, have a kid, right? Right, easy. Um, go off birth control, try to prevent it, use condoms, natural fertility, yeah. whatever. Like, yeah. we're not ready to have kids. Right. So. I would say like within the first couple of years of that, we honestly weren't really thinking much about it. Mm-mm. And then five years kind of starts happening and we're like, oh, like we're not getting pregnant. And yeah. we had started having that desire rise up and um, my health issues were still actively at play. So we, of course, go to a doctor and they're like, oh, go back on birth control. That was the solution. But we knew we couldn't do that. So... 
Um, we had lived in Michigan like the first six years of our marriage. So we moved to Dallas and um, we start like thinking, man, this is kind of a problem. Yeah. Um, but then suddenly um, we had a moment in time where we were just like, okay, like we're, we're ready for this. Like we're on the same page. We want to be pregnant. Mm-hmm. So we weren't doing anything to prevent it, right? Um, and I will never forget there was, it was Christmas time. So it was at December and we were at your parents' house in Oklahoma and I was getting ready in the bathroom and I thought, man, I think I might be pregnant. But at that point in time, we had thought that a lot of times Mm -hmm. and we had gone through the ups and downs of taking the pregnancy test Mm -hmm. and, you know, all the symptoms that you think you're having and you're really not, you're just hoping. Um, Or if you are, they're not really leading to what you are expecting them to lead to. Right. And so I kind of just pushed it aside and ignored it. And about two months later, we were um, back in Dallas, obviously, living there. And I wasn't feeling good. And so you guys, you, my parents, had headed to church. And I stayed home at their house. And I just, I was feeling so sick. And as Mm -hmm. y'all left, it got worse and worse. And Mm -hmm. I was cramping. And all of a sudden, I was like... It felt like I had to push. Yeah. And I realized in that moment that I was pregnant and I was miscarrying all at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I went to the bathroom and I ended up kind of passing out. I woke up before you guys got there and I had miscarried. Mm-hmm. And I was laying in the bathroom floor when you guys got home. And I'll never forget you and my mom picking me up, taking me to the bedroom, their guest bedroom. And I just began to sob because mm-hmm. I knew at that moment that I had become a mom mm-hmm. and lost it all in the same moment. Mm-hmm. And so I think for us, that was the start of something that we just didn't really know how to deal with. I didn't know how to deal with. No, I don't know that anybody knows how to deal with yeah. it. I mean, yeah. you are thinking one thing at the beginning of this, that it's going to happen just easily and naturally and then like you said five six years in you're thinking okay there might be an issue and then all of a sudden there's like hope and no hope at the same time right and it was really scary because like you said the first time you found out you were a mom is the same time i found out i was a dad and not a dad in the same moment exactly and that's it takes your breath away i mean it it was hard it wasn't easy at all i can remember you know comforting you and being there for you but at the same time saying hey i need my own space to kind of process this yeah Because I didn't know what to do with it. Yeah, it's a loss. And, you know, to go backwards for just a moment, we had started dealing with um, scary things back in Michigan. And about two years in, I fell to the ground and ended up having to be rushed to the ER. And we started having words come into our vocabulary at that point in time that we just didn't understand. Oh, yeah. Two pregnancies, uh, miscarriage, you know, endometriosis, PCOS, like... All kinds of things that we were like, whoa, what is this? And I think we kind of panicked and pulled back a bit. And then now we're ready to start trying again. And this happens. Right. And, you know, for me, which I want to hear, you know, kind of your journey. For me, it took me down a spiral of really questioning God. It was the mm-hmm. first time in my life that I knew I couldn't walk away from him because I'd probably die if I did. But I also knew that I couldn't feel him. I didn't. I didn't understand. I felt so lost in so many different emotions that I literally 
began at that moment a journey of discovery of a relationship with the Lord that I, that had to become fresh and new. Sure. Because I felt death all around me. Yeah. I felt a failure. I felt like my body was failing me. I felt broken. I felt just... I literally felt like a walking mess because I didn't know how to fix what was happening. I didn't know how to make it better for you. I didn't know how to make it better for me. And so, man, that that three days time having the miscarriage and the three days time after that was a marker in my life. It was a moment where I had to find faith in a way that I never had before. But it took me some time to get there. It took me months to get there. Yeah. And I would even say years of developing something that and learning a muscle of faith that I never thought I would have to. And you're so brave to take it. That's why I love you. <laughs> I mean, you well, you face those things with just, you know, the ability to turn to the face of God and not run away. And I yeah. think that's the difference maker is a lot of people are carrying around probably that experience in a way, you'll always carry it around, but I mean, yeah. where it doesn't seem like there's ever any healing or yeah. uh, overcoming, and and it's it's something you never quite overcome. No, you know, for me, you're asking about my perspective. Yeah. I think as a husband, I'm in the same boat. I don't know what to do. I, yeah. I mean, I don't have any clue the best way to comfort. I'm already feeling like I'm behind mm. on how to comfort, so I'm. I'm I'm lost for words. I'm lost for empathy. I'm I'm saying I'm sorry. I'm saying what can I do? Yeah. But at the same time, as a man, I don't know how to process any emotions on this. Yeah. I've never been in this situation before. Yeah. I don't know how I'm supposed to react. If I'm supposed to, you know, in, increase my faith or you know, be stronger in the word or mm. you know, do something to command a blessing over you. I just don't know. And so yeah. I'm spending my own journey with the Lord going, I don't, I don't know what to do. This is a new territory for me and you. Um, I think, but one thing too, uh, amidst all the pain and amidst all the questions and frustrations, I think, and maybe this has come through time with us that we've realized is that in that moment you did become a parent. Yeah. We became parents. That's right. And it may not be something that's physically able to be seen. I think people listening should know if you've had that experience. Yeah. You did become a parent at that moment. Exactly Life was created. Right. Life was yeah. held. Yeah. It was garnished. God bless yeah. you with that. How that all works out in the by and by, none of yeah. us know. Yeah. But I will say that it's okay for you to take that on as a mantle yeah. and and celebrate that. Yeah. And, and even if that never happened, maybe your journey is you haven't had kids yet. Yeah. It's still, you have the ability to have the presence of the Father. And I know that because Jesus carried that. Yeah. He never had his own children, but yeah. he has us as his children. He carried the presence of of a father wherever he went. So, yeah. and I mean, now that's taken years and yeah. time to, to come up with. But in that moment, just confusion, questions, yeah. worry. And I think like to go back to what you just said about we became parents, I think that's something that our society seriously minimizes. Sure. And it doesn't allow us to breathe in that moment. It was a moment of becoming something and losing something all at once. And both needed to be felt. Both needed to be experienced. And both needed to be taken in in a way where we could treasure one and grieve the other. Well, I think society at that point, it's almost kind of in my mind, I think about like walking zombies. They don't know mm. what to do with it. Yeah, it's true. You're trying to say like, no, this literally happened, but yeah. no one sees it. Yeah. No one knows. Phys- it's not physically physical. visible. Yeah. So people don't know how to handle the situation. And you're sitting there not knowing how to handle it yeah. either. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, this was real. Like it yeah. really was real. The feelings were real. Yeah. 
the uh, the spiritual aspect was real. The physically, it yeah. was real. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Is like I'm in that moment, and I saw yeah. life yeah. come out of me. Sure. I could literally see that there was a baby. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I think sometimes we negate in our own selves how real that is. Like mm-hmm. how intense that is like that's an intense thing to experience and at the same time no one can ever take away from me Mm -hmm. the fact that I knew I became a mom Mm -hmm. I knew you became a dad and so you know I love that you just brought that up because I hope that men and women who are walking through this and have experienced miscarriage that they'll they'll give it some space like they'll let it sit they'll let it They'll let the pain simmer or they'll let the pain, you know, be felt, but they'll also let experiencing life be felt. Yeah. And maybe those friends who do have kids, maybe they're listening to this and they're yeah. hearing it. Maybe they'll give some room to realize that you need to understand the blessing that's in front of you. Yeah. Someone else just may not see that until they get to heaven. Right. They may not yeah. get to fully experience that the way you do, Yeah. but have some grace and have some mercy and have some... Yeah heart because I think until you go through something like that you can't really speak to all the feelings that go along with it yeah and and that's okay that's yeah. that's fine but just remember someone else is experiencing a very uh, unusual situation in the sense of it's it's just wasn't a part of God's plan yeah this kind of thing you know no it, it's not it's not it's part of the fallen yeah you know and here's the thing is if you are friends of people who've gone through miscarriage, you know, this is one of the biggest things that I hear all the time from couples who have walked this out is like people start acting weird. They don't know what to say. They care, but they yet they say stupid things or they don't say anything at all. And then you feel like this wedge has come between you. And I would just say this. I'll never forget that someone literally looked me in the face and said, I celebrate mm-hmm. that you're a mom. Mm-hmm. And I'm so sorry that you lost your baby. Mm -hmm. There are no more perfect words in that moment. Because there's nothing they can do. There's nothing that can comfort me, to be honest. Even Mm -hmm. that in the moment wasn't comforting. But yet it was the perfect words. Because it acknowledged both. It acknowledged that I was a mom. It acknowledged that you were a dad. But it acknowledged the deep loss that we were feeling. And I think couples can say that to themselves, whether they yeah. hear from anybody or not. Yeah. Saying it to each other can yes. be very freeing, can be very yeah. uh, loving and kind. But I think for us, it took us a little while. Sure. I would say yeah. it took us probably even a year or more oh, yeah. to be able to say that to each other. Because honestly, what happens, this is just so real, is like it happens. You might have like a week or maybe a month. But then it's like time passes and you don't actually bring it up to each other. And I'll never forget, I believe it was about a year, maybe a year and a half after. And it was Mother's Day. And we honestly hadn't talked about our baby, baby Kaya, Mm -hmm. up to that point. And you rolled over to me and you said, Happy Mother's Day. And from that day on, you've said Happy Mother's Day every year. And you said... Baby Kaya loves you. And mm-hmm. I, and the, here was the kicker for me. I think about Kaya every day. Yeah, for sure. And to hear those words from you were the one of the most healing things in yeah. our journey. Yeah. Because I knew that you cared. I knew that you felt. I knew that you needed. I knew that you 
didn't know what to do, didn't know how to do it. I knew that you were in it with me. And it was a different journey for us after that. Mm -hmm. But it took a lot of guts for you to like even think to do that. Which meant you had created the space in your own. You're an internal processor. I'm a verbal processor. Very much so. So it may have taken you that long to process to get to that moment. Mm -hmm. But I'm so thankful that you fought through and you actually did it. Mm -hmm. You took time. You knew inside of yourself. Like we know sometimes what the other person needs. We know that we have to engage the hard topic or the awkward thing. And we just don't because it's scary. And you overcame all of that in that moment. You engaged me in a topic that was the most sensitive, and yet you brought it to be something so healing. Yeah, and I don't think that's me being some superstar, and I appreciate that. Yes, but you are. I think it's just being open to the Lord's voice and continuing to have the conversation, to continue to bring it up. Yeah. Because I think what people do, in my mind, is they try to bury it. Yeah. And thinking that they bury it and it's gone away, it doesn't when you never talk about it, process yeah. the emotions. Just like when someone has had a full life and they've passed away, we still talk about them. We don't yeah. say, let's never talk about them again. Yeah. And I think when we try to do that with these types of situations, yeah, our minds don't know how to compute it. And yeah. they're trying to go, wait, you're not ever fully acknowledging that you had a love and a passion for this this individual, this person. Yeah. And it's Kaya Praise, by the way. It is the Kaya name. Praise. Just want to get that full cool Kaya name Praise. out there. Just so you know. <laughs> um, I, I think we're trying to fool our minds into thinking, okay, it's not a big deal. And it is a big yeah, deal. It is. Time doesn't matter in the sense of how much you can love a person. Yeah. Because we've all met someone and within a few minutes we knew that we loved them, yeah. wanted to have them in our lives. Yeah. You know, some of our best friends... Johnny and Lauren, they're in our lives now because we went out, you know, one time. Yeah. And within that one meeting, we've been friends with them now for years. Yeah. And I would say they're our closest friends because yeah. it just happened. And yeah. it just took us a, a small amount of that heart to heart connection and that soul to soul. Like, I love this individual yeah. to, to want to be able to stay connected for, for yeah. a long time, for life. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, in that moment, it started something for us, right? That in the moment of loss of Kaya Praise, we had to begin to journey life differently as a couple. Um, Because it was, you know, through going to the doctor and all the things, it had become apparent that our journey was going to look different. Mm -hmm. And it never, ever looked the the same since. Um, And the years just started passing of my health issues, you know, fibroid tumors, laparoscopies, treatments, trying to get quality of life so we could even talk about having kids. And that's overwhelming. It's too. so overwhelming. To, I mean, couples who are out there that are probably listening that going through that, yeah. they know it's overwhelming. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a lot that it consumes your yeah. every move almost or yeah. always in the back of your mind anyway. Yeah. It does. I mean it's the medicine you have to take. It's the shots you have to take. It's you know when to have sex, when not to have sex. You know, it it all becomes this very convoluted, hard, desperate um honestly empty thing Mm -hmm. and it's empty because we're going after something that we don't have but it becomes even more empty and and desolate at times because it seems as though that thing is never going to happen right and you know for us it was my health but also trying like to have kids and I think that no matter what your story is, if it's simply you've been trying for two years and you're you're stepping into infertility treatments or you've been trying for five years or ten years or like us 18 years um, you genuinely 
just have to make the decisions as you go. Like we've literally had to take each chunk of time to make the decisions that we needed to make in those moments. And sometimes those were treatments. Sometimes it was, hey, we got to pull back from this because we're going to lose our loving minds. Absolutely. We're going to lose our marriage. We're going to lose our sex life. We're going to lose it. We're just going to freaking lose it. (laughs) You know, like, and I'll never forget, we lived in McKinney and we were pastoring a church at the time. And honestly, like my health was at its all time worst Mm -hmm. during that. And we had already had two laparoscopies and I was going on a treatment. Worst decision of my life. It affected me in such a way that I don't even know. I I would be driving and forget how to get to work. Literally, have to pull yeah. over on the side of the road, call Jason and be like, I don't know where the hell I am right now. It's a drug called Lupron, by the Lupron way. Lupron is the worst. We... Uh... <laughs> lovingly if you want to call it that way called it loopy, <laughs> loopy lupron um, would make you loopy. and there was other aspects that were partnering with the lupron to contribute but um it was awful mm-hmm. you know i left my car running for hours while i'm in work i i would forget in conversations what i'm doing i started having panic attacks i you know things that i had never experienced i've always been a very confident communicator i felt like i just wanted to hide and not talk to another human being because i didn't know one what it was going to come out of my mouth right two i was so scared to look like an idiot well and you can imagine the strain that puts on a couple right you know from a husband's perspective you're just sitting there going i have no clue what my to do right now gone to the loony bin talk about prayer though the only thing you can do is pray mm-hmm. the only thing you can do is i don't know how someone makes it without the lord and i think that's why a lot of times if you're a couple out there and they've gotten hit with this situation yeah it's really really hard to overcome something like this oh, because so hard all the little nuances that go into it yeah especially from the man perspective i can't speak fully to the female perspective but it's just you don't know what to do and yeah. so i know practically for me having my faith having the opportunity to have friends around me that i can yeah. reach out to you know having a good church to be a part of and and really just taking time where it was like in this moment what do we need and doing yeah. that yeah. was the best route to yeah. take. Like, I'll never forget, there were three different friend times that I just, oh Lord, thank God for good friends. One of them was I had had one of the laparoscopy surgeries where they had removed endometriosis and some other things. And um, I'm sitting on the couch, I'm chilling out. A friend came over, he was chilling with us, more so for you because you were going to lose your your mind. Um, And I literally just like started crying. (laughs) And it's a dude, by the way. So... (laughs) I just started crying and I I was just like, got up, went into the bedroom, but there was so much hormones and like emotions attached to what had just happened. And I I don't even remember what triggered it, to be honest. I'll just never forget running out of the room and crying. And every dude out there, if there is a couple dudes listening, you need to know, you know how weird it is. You're, you're thinking, I have no idea what to do in this situation. My wife just got up running, crying and my... One of my best friends is sitting here, and I you just looked at each other. I'm sure, like well, the first thing her. a guy does, he looks at the other guy. And goes, I didn't do it. I don't know. What, I don't know what happened. I didn't I don't do it. I don't know what happened. I, I don't know. Do you know what to do? Do you have any suggestions? <laughs> like, we're just we're both putting our heads together. You could have 20 men in that room. Yeah. And none of them would know what to do. And when women cry, we're yeah. just we're lost. We're yeah. like, oh, me cavemen. Yeah. No, no. I just. So the second one was um, we we decided to go out to dinner with our friends Johnny and Lauren that mm-hmm. you referenced. So we went out to eat and I had to do a treatment before we left. And I'm like, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. You know? Yeah, no, I was not fine. I ended up turning like, like all of a sudden Lauren looks at me and she's like, you're like kind of green right now. And all of a sudden I was like, oh my gosh, I have to run to the bathroom. And I just went to the bathroom and I'm throwing up and I'm, 
Like, it is not good. Mm. And Lauren comes running in. Only a friend would come running in when you're puking in a restaurant bathroom. And, you know, she kind of helped me back out. You take me home. And I'll never forget this drive because I, I honestly, I would say this was probably one of the worst moments for me. Probably for you too. Thank you for joining Jason and I for part one of our story. We hope you'll jump in and join us for part two as well. 